Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Keep the Faith brings you timely messages with in-depth spiritual analysis of current events in light of Bible prophecy so you can prepare for the coming of Jesus. Listen to what the news won't tell you. Here is another important message for our times. This is Pastor Hal Mayer. Dear friends, welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Today we're going to look at a very important phase that we are in. The pandemic continues to wreak havoc on the economies of nations and, more importantly, on people's lives. But there are certain prophetic connections that are largely overlooked by most. They are not understood because people aren't studying their Bibles, or they would know what to expect. People aren't interested in their Bibles anymore, mostly. We are now unmistakably headed for the final conflict of the Great Controversy. Before we begin, I want to urge you to send in your yellow card to renew your subscription, if you haven't done already. We're getting ready to update our mailing list, and we don't want you to miss out. There is much more to come. I also want to tell you that our app is available for download from the app stores. It has all our sermons, briefings, and videos, as well as other material. We hope you enjoy it. I also want to encourage you to order the History of Tomorrow booklet. It's a book written for a secular mind on Daniel 2. It's small and easy to read and easy to hand out and it's inexpensive. As we begin, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we are living in a very interesting time, but it is a time that Jesus warned us is coming, and it tells us that he is coming very soon, and of the events that are going to be taking place in the near future. Help us to be ready. If there is anything in our, our lives that needs your forgiveness, please let us make it right, urgently. If there is any character defect in our lives, please show us what it is and help us to overcome it. And save us in thy kingdom, we pray, by your grace. Also, we pray that you will be with us today as we study and meditate on the important and compelling times in which we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Please open your Bibles with me to Matthew 10.36. I believe this Bible text will be dramatically and literally fulfilled. The time of trouble is coming when men's hearts will fail them for fear. And fear will drive some of the strangest and most difficult events that you can imagine. The world is headed for global tyranny. Global, national, and religious authorities are uniting together to bring this about. And they are trying to divide the population into two groups of people. A man's foes shall be they of his own household. 
The world is currently being divided into two classes, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Long-term friendships are being tattered and separated over disagreements about COVID vaccinations. This is what to expect when a Sunday law comes. The two classes of people for the Sunday law are already in place and being developed, though all of them aren't evident visibly. Those who are loyal to God are in the one class. It's a small class. And those who are loyal to the enemy are in the other, much, much larger class. Listen to this statement from Christ's Object Lessons, page 283. There are only two classes in the world today, and only two classes will be recognized in the judgment. Those who violate God's law and those who obey it. Christ gives the test by which to prove our loyalty or disloyalty. If ye love me, he says, keep my commandments. And those who spread misinformation, which are those who raise questions about the vaccine's safety and effectiveness, are being demonized. The Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla, recently said, These people are criminals. They're not bad people. They're criminals because they have literally cost millions of lives. It strikes me that they aren't bad people, but they're criminals. I thought all criminals are supposed to be bad people. But in the last days, there will be good people that are criminals, at least in the eyes of the world. Of course, this statement is false and self-serving. But this is the kind of misrepresentations the people of God will face at the end of time, too. There will again be two classes, and those that are loyal to Christ and keep his law, and those that are loyal to the enemy and keep his law through human enactments. All the arguments will not convince God's true people to change their minds. Strict measures will not convince them. And today we are getting a sense of what it will be like watching how the vaccine is applied. The vaccine is undoubtedly a test of loyalty parallel to the experience of Daniel and his three friends in the court of Babylon. They resisted the king's meat and drink because they knew that they could not defile their bodies with a substance that would diminish their standing before God. I'm not saying that those who got the vaccine are doomed to failure in the great test that is coming upon the world. Fortunately, you can still change course and stand victorious in Christ. There is more tests to come. And the nations are getting used to separating the people into two classes already. When the Sunday law comes, it will be a very easy thing for them to make a differentiation between one class and the other. There was a time early in the pandemic when Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, openly encouraged people to snitch on their friends 
and family members and co-workers if they disobeyed COVID restrictions. Now it is not just the city of New York that is encouraging this. With the federal mandates for businesses of over 100 employees, the U.S. government, the U.S. government is putting in place pressure on businesses to encourage their employees to tattle on their employers if they do not comply with the mandate. Of course, this is not members of your own household, but as people get familiar with the method, it is easy to be expanded or twisted to include everybody, even one, one's household. While most countries limit international arrivals to only vaccinated people, Canada restricts domestic travel on public transportation, whether by plane, train, bus, ferry, or other carrier, to vaccinated individuals only. This effectively limits the travel of unvaccinated people to personal vehicles. It essentially makes them second-class citizens. After closing its border for over 600 days, Australia has opened them now, but restricted almost all unvaccinated people from coming to Australia. And Austria has imposed strict new regulations on the unvaccinated. They can come into Austria with a negative COVID test, but they cannot use the, that COVID test to visit bars, nightclubs, and other places where people gather, such as tourist sites. Friends, the noose is tightening. It will be very difficult to travel from place to place, just as the spirit of prophecy says. Here is the statement from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 6, page 22 again. We have no time to lose. The end is near. The passage from place to place to spread the truth will soon be hedged with dangers on the right hand and on the left. Everything will be placed to obstruct the way of the Lord's messengers so that they will not be able to do that which it is possible for them to do now. Listen to this. On November 9th of last year, an article appeared in the news, Whistleblowers to Play Key Role in Enforcing Vaccine Mandate. To enforce Joe Biden's then-forthcoming COVID-19 mandate, the U.S. Labor Department is going to need a lot of help. Its Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, doesn't have nearly enough workplace safety inspectors to do the job. So the government will rely on a core of informers to identify violations of the order. Employees who will presumably be concerned enough to turn in their own employers if their co-workers go unvaccinated or fail to undergo weekly tests to show that they are virus-free. What's not known is just how many employees will be willing to accept some risk to themselves or their job security for blowing the whistle on their own employers. The new mandate will cover an estimated 84 million employees. Companies that fail 
to comply will face fines of nearly $14,000 per serious violation. Employers found to be willful or repeat violators will be subject to fines of up to 10 times that amount. Should the mandate survive its legal challenges, though, the task of enforcing it would fall on OSHA, the small labor department agency that was established 50 years ago to police workplace safety and protect workers from such dangers as toxic chemicals, rickety ladders, and cave-ins at construction sites. First of all, giving the mandate legal penalties will be similar to the Sunday law. In Australia, there are huge fines being levied on individuals who break the COVID mandate to stay at home, even now. And now, as I prepare this message, the Victorian Parliament lower house has already passed draconian legislation that gives the Premier almost unlimited powers to fine, imprison, and subject people to the most serious lockdowns and consequences anywhere in the world for protests and other behavior that is against the dictates of the Premier. It's blatantly tyrannical. And you guessed it, this is the way it will be during the Sunday Law crisis. I don't know about you, but I can't help but notice these things. Listen to this from Great Controversy, page 607. The Church appeals to the strong arm of civil power, and in this work, Papists and Protestants unite. As the movement for Sunday enforcement becomes more bold and decided, the law will be invoked against commandment keepers. They will be threatened with fines and imprisonment, and some will be offered positions of influence and other rewards and advantages as inducements to renounce their faith. The Nazis would be green with envy if they were still around today. They did a similar thing during World War II. They used regular citizens to spy on other citizens, particularly those who were hiding Sabbath keepers, and turned them into the police. Jews were isolated from the rest of the population and locked down. And summary execution would be imposed for those who broke the rules even slightly. In the United States, New York City has discriminated against the unvaccinated by refusing to pay up to $500,000 in death benefits for anyone who works for the Metropolitan Transit Authority and dies of COVID and is unvaccinated. The Bible gives us an example of the kind of extreme pressure that will be exerted on those that are loyal to God and keep his law. In 1 Kings 18, it says in verse 4, When Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. That means that she had them executed. See verse 13. Why did Obadiah have to hide them in a cave? 
because Jezebel and her henchmen were hunting them out. They couldn't go home to sleep in their beds and eat their own food. She no doubt had spies everywhere that were prepared to turn them in, even among their families at times. The times were very difficult for these dissenters. Remember that Ahab and Jezebel assumed the role of being the enforcers of the apostate religious laws on the land of Israel. In essence, they imposed worship laws and issued the death penalty for anyone who disseminated so-called misinformation about Baal worship. Many were Baal worship hesitant and refused to go along with Jezebel's demands. Does that sound like something you may have heard is happening now? The methods used are current, though it is not over worship, it's over vaccine. But even religious authorities are advocating the vaccine and advocating that the unvaccinated be discriminated against and treated differently than the vaccinated. Well, come to think of it, the state is asking us to worship and obey the medical establishment's dictates. You know, we often think of doctors as gods. We will do what they say no matter what. In fact, if God gives us health counsel, we will still believe and do what the doctor says, in spite of the counsel from heaven. Often it is the exact opposite from what the doctor orders. I think it's very interesting because the vaccine and the pressure to take the vaccine is worldwide. In my lifetime, this is the first time that a medical demand is worldwide. The Sunny Law will become worldwide too. It will be a universal Sunny Law. They're just working out how to do it. Brothers and sisters, it's only a matter of time. They are using a medical issue to test the system to figure out how they can use the technologies available, like cell phones, tracing apps, and pressure tactics. They will use other tools, too, like the loss of your job and loss of freedom, being barred from some places, and many more. When they have all this worked out, then they will switch issues and something will happen that brings a Sabbath into prominence and the end game will be upon us. The Bible workers in the days of Elijah, known as the prophets of the Lord, exposed the wicked king Ahab and his heathen wife Jezebel. They explained to them from God's word that what Ahab and Jezebel were doing was wrong and would lead to ruin. They were trying to get the people to remain loyal to God and not follow in the wicked, apostate, and licentious worship of Baal, which was being forced by coercion. So, it should not be a surprise that coercion is a tactic that is used by human rulers to enforce their will and the will of the enemy on the human race. 
Listen to this from Manuscript Releases, Volume 5, page 47. You will always find Satan on the side of the oppressor. God does not oppress. God does not bring them, people, in by persecution. For he has let them live all this time. But when Satan gets the lines in his hands, he takes the spurious Sabbath and sets it up against the perfection of Christ and says, you have got to keep it. That is the spirit of persecution and oppression and bondage. It goes right with the spurious Sabbath that has not one syllable for its sanctity in the word of God. If you do not keep Sunday, you will not buy or sell. And not only that, but they work their oppression in every way possible. But thank God, he lives. But the prophets of the Lord in Elijah's day were persecuted, hunted like criminals. They had to find some sort of asylum. Jezebel and her agents managed to decimate their ranks by killing them whenever they found them. There would not have been a fair trial or judicial process. Summary execution was the way Jezebel likely worked. We call it extrajudicial killing today, or assassination without the benefit of due process. Modern Western governments will do and have begun doing this very thing. And they will do it to God's people when they have evidence that they disagree with their edicts. This was a very trying time for anyone who did not want to bow the knee to Baal. It was dangerous to oppose Ahab and Jezebel, so it had to be done quietly. Likewise today, those who don't want to take the vaccine have to be quiet about it, especially in some places. By the way, in the time of Elijah, it would not have been a good thing to live in the cities if you wanted to be faithful to the Lord undetected. In the city, there were too many prying eyes and listening ears, surveilling like cameras do in many cities on street corners and in public buildings where the public can enter today. In the cities, there were many spies, secret agents, and undercover police working to rout out anyone that opposed the religious regime. And it will be like that during the Sunday Law crisis. You don't want to live in the city. And now there are apps to show your vaccination status. A green screen showing that you have been vaccinated and a red screen to show that you are not current with your vaccinations. Other magnificent complementary systems have been developed to put the pieces together so an assault can be made on God's true people. We have documented them over the years at Keep the Faith Ministry. Have you wondered why God allowed this pandemic and fearful system of vaccination to wrap itself like a giant octopus around the world? God hasn't allowed these systems to be developed because he wants you to fear them. 
It is not because he wants you to tremble and cower in anxiety and worry. Oh no, he allows it so that we can see the construction of this muddy system of control and oppression under the jurisdiction of world leaders. That way, we can understand what the enemy is planning for God's people, and we can throw ourselves on the mercy of God and trust him more fully. It places an urgency upon us to get ready. World leaders may not even realize it, but they are cooperating with the enemy of souls to build an advanced medical system, an advanced police system, and an advanced surveillance system, enhanced interrogation methods, trial by tribunals, etc., that will one day be turned against God's true people. It's already starting to happen and getting tested by using the vaccine. But the real result on God's people will be over the worship laws that will be imposed on the whole planet one day soon, using the same technology and the same tactics refined and maximized for maximum effect. God wants us to see the magnificent system so that we can understand that there is no hope for protection from human systems and governments and from human leaders. He wants you to see it so that you will flee as a bird to him. You are to depend solely on God, and he wants you to see why. Isn't that merciful? God wants to help you get ready for the last moments of earth's history. The enemy is being allowed to construct these magnificent plans so that we can more fully understand the power of God in overthrowing them. He did that with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He did that with Esther and the Jews in her day. He did it with Elijah, and he will do it again. If you are dependent on the government for your finances or health care, you will lose all that support. Welfare will not apply to those who are loyal to God, nor will any other government programs or benefits. And don't expect benefits from private businesses or large corporations either. Those companies will comply with government rules and regulations. When God's people come up to the national and global Sunday laws, which are the ultimate destination of globalization and the new world order, when his saints are under the severest pressure to yield their faith or die, when escape seems hopeless and they are surrounded by all the forces of government surveillance, legal and economic lockdown, and other oppressive enactments, God will reveal his power and will knock it all down, brush it all aside, and show the futility of man's power in contrast with the mighty power of God to, to deliver his saints. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful, my friends? Listen to this interesting statement from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, pages 450 and 451. 
Satan will excite indignation against the humble minority who conscientiously refuse to accept popular customs and traditions. Men of position and reputation will join with the lawless and the vile to take counsel against the people of God. That's talking about leaders of nations and the money men of the earth and those who are respected as religious leaders. They will unite to oppose those who uphold the true worship and the law of God, like Elijah did. I'll read on. Wealth, genius, education will combine to cover them with contempt. Persecuting rulers, ministers, and church members will conspire against them. With voice and pen, by boasts and threats and ridicule, they will seek to overthrow their faith. By false representations and angry appeals, they will stir up the passions of the people. Not having a thus saith the scriptures to bring against the advocates of the Bible Sabbath, they will resort to oppressive enactments to supply the lack. What would those oppressive enactments be? They would include the decree or law that prevents them from buying and selling. The digital society has taken us to the leading edge of this. Digitalizing money is the easiest way to enforce such laws. It would also be oppressive laws that will be made to support the Sunday law. Like losing your job if you don't work on Saturday. When there is enough of a crisis, the people will demand a Sunday law and legislatures will yield, and the courts will find some justification for it. Here's the rest of the statement. To secure popularity and patronage, legislators will yield to the demand for a Sunday law. On this battlefield comes the last great conflict of the controversy between truth and error. God allows these scary things to be developed and deployed on those people who are not necessarily under his protection, so that his faithful people who are paying attention can get a glimpse at how serious the powers of the earth are in league with the enemy, including presidents, prime ministers, and other mighty men of the earth. I'm not saying that they intend to be. They might be completely unaware of it but they are still in league with the enemy anyway, because the enemy uses them to establish his oppressive plans. Friends, have you noticed that the United States is acting more like a dragon than a lamb? This has to be developed. It can't just happen suddenly in one day. By the way they treat their adversaries, whistleblowers, and other targets, we can understand the way they will work to corral God's people and oppress them. We can see the tight seal they are constructing around society so that they can trap those that reprove their ambitious and rebellious plans. COVID vaccines are one of the means by which Babylon gets most people to violate the sacredness of their body temple. 
If the body is a temple of God, then anything you do to it to alter it creates a violation of the laws of health. This is true whether it's a donut or the mRNA vaccine. Your body may be able to fend it off for a while, but there comes a time when it will have its effect. We need to repent of our health backsliding and order our lives according to the health principles that we have been given from heaven. Jesus wouldn't even drink the sop as he hung on the cross. Why should we insert regularly a substance into our bodies, such as the mRNA vaccines and their booster shots? A friend of mine from Australia, where they are the most extreme and oppressive in enforcement of mandates and penalties for breaking COVID rules, made this statement. We are being tested so we can see clearly where our loyalties lie. God is permitting us to face an issue that will bring out, without a doubt, whether we love the Lord supremely. Are we willing to lose all in order to not defile our bodies, which are God's, and violate our conscience that must be only submitted to God? If we surrender for fear or convenience, then we have been shown we are not ready to face the final battle that is just around the corner. Do not surrender your body and conscience. Seek the Lord with all your heart and find rest and power in Him for the challenges you are facing. This experience is calculated to develop the necessary faith and relationship with Jesus to prepare you for the final battle. Stand faithful. If you were driven by fear during this pandemic, or if you took the vaccine because you were afraid of catching the disease itself, or because you were afraid of losing your job, or were afraid of something else, think carefully. Take yourself in hand. Because if you are driven by fear, the Sunday law will overcome you. Take normal and even extra precautions. Be sure your immune system is up to the maximum it can be. Live by the health laws that we have been given in God's word. I'm not suggesting that if you have taken the vaccine or submitted to unreasonable government regulations that you will automatically fall in line with the Sunday law. But what I am saying is that you need to think about what you submit to and how you are going to react the next time that fear drives the population. What are you going to do when the government enacts mandates that all citizens must comply with or lose their job or lose their income or lose their government welfare check or lose their ability to feed and clothe themselves. They will even take away your ability to buy and sell. Think about the fear that must drive that kind of requirement. If they have to make such measures to pressure the populace to take the vaccines, there is something that's not right about it. Nor will it be right to obey the Sunday law. 
Your conscience must rest on the Word of God. Your mind and your physical body must be submitted to God alone, not to some medical science. Science is confusing and contradictory in many cases. If you try to make a decision about whether to take the vaccine on science alone, it will lead you down the wrong path, and you may actually not experience any outward negative side effects. But think about what you've done to your body if you took the vaccine. Daniel chose not to defile his body on something far less impacting and consequential than the mRNA vaccine. If Nebuchadnezzar would have given Daniel a similar vaccine, what do you think he would have done? I think he would have done the same thing and not defiled his body. If you know how to trust the Bible, you will not be afraid, nor will you have uncertainty. You will have confidence in God and peace in your heart. Fear is one of the main driving factors in the crisis at the end of time. When you read about the disasters and war and famine, it can't help but strike fear into the heart. Fear is also a mechanism that the government uses to get people to do what they want them to do. When the government is trying to create fear in order to get the population to do something that is not in their best interest, there is no telling where it will go. The Nazis operated on the basis of fear. The population feared them. The Jews feared them. And when there was total control based on fear, human beings were very unreasonable and brutal. The enemy knows what he is doing. Expect worse things to come. Jesus was not motivated by fear. This is what the leaders hated about him. It was subconscious, maybe. They didn't realize that they were responding to his lack of fear. But they didn't like that he said bold things and did things that were deliberately targeted to their false teachings. Jesus was not afraid of them. He knew he was guided by heaven and loved by his Father. So he was secure and wasn't afraid. Christ's followers are going to face the same issues in the last days. This means that they will have to deal with the issue of fear in their lives. They will have to do things that are very fearful to most people. That should be no surprise. The Bible is full of people who acted with courage in a time of fear. Think of Daniel in the lion's den. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Think of Noah in the ark when the rains came for the first time in earthly history. That no doubt convinced him beyond any other that God had spoken to him and prepared him for the end time as he knew it. Think about the martyrs of history. Being thrown to the lions in the Colosseum in Rome was no doubt fearful. Being burned at the stake was no doubt fearful. But they trusted in God, and they yielded to his will in their lives. Many times they had to stand alone against the powerful foe. 
but they knew that they were sustained by a more powerful agency that was not of this world and that had overcome the enemy. That power was able to do more to protect them than the mightiest earthly power. It was a spiritual protection. God doesn't guarantee you physical protection, but he will not allow anything to come to you that is greater than you can bear, but it will provide a way of escape. 2 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Last month I made a comment that the church will not defend your liberty of conscience during the vaccine mandates. When the government has made demands that are anti-freedom and anti-liberty, the church has always sided with the government for reasons of its own. Listen to this from a lengthy statement issued by the General Conference. I will just quote a few portions of the carefully worded statement and you can see that they will not support you very much at all. The decision whether to take the vaccine is not a matter of salvation, nor is it related, as some may suggest, to the mark of the beast. It is a matter of personal choice. That's the first portion. A violation of conscience is a salvation issue. The church should be advocating liberty of conscience, not advocating for the vaccine. And the question of vaccine mandates is certainly related to the mark of the beast. The issue in Revelation 13 is whether you will go against your conscience and accept the mark in your forehead or in your hand to obey the ruling authorities or to accommodate your own convenience. The vaccine Edicts require some to violate their conscience in order to live normal lives, the same as a Sunday law. It is actually a health test of faith leading up to the Sunday law. Another paragraph reads as follows. Submission to government authorities is a biblical principle unless it conflicts with obedience to God. Matthew twenty two twenty one and Romans thirteen one to seven. When it comes to COVID nineteen vaccinations, we believe individuals have the right to state and defend their conviction whether to be vaccinated or not. Mandates usually follow exemptions for individual religious convictions or health conditions. In other words, individuals, not the church, should state and defend their convictions. You are left on your own if you have vaccine convictions. Submission to governing authorities is, is a biblical principle, but when the government issues mandates that violate the conscience, submission to governing authorities is not possible if you're going to be true to your conscience. The statement 
is saying that the church is more responsive to government authority than to their individual members and and their convictions. Again, the church should be focusing on liberty of conscience, not advocating for the vaccine. With widespread personal testing available, individuals may choose instead to submit to regular testing if required. Here the church is advocating that those who refuse vaccination should be subject to discrimination and disabilities to their participation in society. This is happening at a time when some countries are actually stopping the vaccines due to adverse side effects in some cases. In the next paragraph, the statement reads, The Seventh-day Adventist Church, in consultation with the health ministries and public affairs and religious liberty departments of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, is convinced that the vaccination programs that are generally being carried out are important for the safety and health of our members and the larger community. Therefore, claims of religious liberty are not used appropriately in objecting to government mandates or employer programs designed to protect the health and safety of their communities. Well, if the church thinks that claims of religious liberty are not used appropriately, against the vaccine, why should the church assist anyone in defending a religious liberty claim? To be dismissive of those who have these convictions is at best brushing aside the church's historic stand for for religious liberty and disenfranchising those members who have religious objections to the vaccine. It would have been better to be neutral on the matter of vaccines than to promote the use of dangerous drugs and dubious concoctions. Another section of the statement reads, If we use our religious liberty resources in such personal decision advocacy efforts, we believe that we will weaken our religious liberty stance in the eyes of the government and the public. Such efforts would make it less likely that these arguments will be heard and appreciated when they are used for matters of worship and religious practice. That statement is surprising. A well-reasoned defense of religious liberty and of conscience would strengthen the credibility of the church when faced with the Sunday law, not diminish it, The way other faith groups strengthen their credibility is by asserting those rights early and often, not waiting for the big issue. This statement is sending a clear signal to those that want to enforce vaccine mandates that they will not have any opposition from the church, which lays the foundation for more coercion, more unjust mandates, and more religious oppression. We have a duty to stand for religious liberty now, when it matters, so that we have credibility later when we defend our duty to obey the fourth commandment. What a missed opportunity to stand apart from the world, to be a light shining brightly to all nations, to stand for Christ and his 
authority over our bodies and to give the health and religious liberty message in loud and clear tones. Here's another. Instead of focusing on our individual convictions, we should draw more closely together in relationship with Christ and with each other. What? Why brush aside the legitimate concerns of those members who stand for freedom of conscience and suggest that they are dividing the church by their personal religious convictions? This condescending moralizing and patronizing statement should never come from the general conference. And finally, the clearest statement of all. The Seventh-day Adventist Church does not advocate for religious exemptions to vaccination on either a global or national basis, based on its understanding of both the Bible and the writings of Ellen G. White, and as expressed in this statement. The statement is carefully worded to downplay its implications. Those who refuse the vaccine will not be defended by the church no matter where you are in the world. The church has basically surrendered to government authority, even adopting its false and misleading narrative. It has published documents that allegedly respect members' freedom of choice, but at the same time advocate discrimination against unvaccinated members. In no uncertain terms, the church encourages everyone to get vaccinated. The church has done very little to support or defend freedom of conscience. The bottom line question is how you are going to act when these tactics and technologies are used to promote and coerce the Sunday Law. I'm sure that things will be a lot worse then. Keep hold of God. Lean on God's Word. Trust no human reasoning. Live by the health principles given in the inspired writings, and above all, be faithful to the light you have received. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, it is in Jesus' name that we come to you asking for strength to resist the pressure from worldly sources to compromise. The world wants to enforce a vaccine that does much harm to many people and hasn't really been tested properly. Give us strength to live by our convictions, even if it causes us to have to live with inconveniences. This is just a prelude to what will take place during the Sunday Law. So give us assurance from your word that you will stand by our side and sustain us now and in the future during the Sunday Laws. In Jesus' name, Amen.
We hope that you have been greatly blessed by this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. Don't forget to send in your Yellow Renewal card as soon as possible. The song you have just heard is called He Hideth My Soul, played by Henry Higgins. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called Day by Day. If you would like to have a copy of the CD, just send $16 postpaid to U.S. addresses to cover the cost, and we will send you one. Please mention the Day by Day CD. Other international listeners should send $20 USD. The following is our prophetic intelligence briefing, a feature that brings you current events in the light of prophecy, especially for those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We can see the signs of the times telling us that we are nearing the world's great crisis and the coming of the Lord. May the Lord find us faithful. Our first item this month, Traveling in Canada by plane or train? You'll need to show proof of vaccination starting October 30th. Starting October 30th, the Canadian government will require all air travelers and passengers on interprovincial trains to be vaccinated against COVID-19. The new policy first announced in August will affect all commercial air travelers, passengers on trains between provinces, and cruise ship passengers. The government is also requiring employers in the federally regulated air, rail, and marine transportation sectors to establish vaccine mandates by October 30th. The vaccine requirement does not apply to travelers under 12. A short transition period will allow travelers who are in the process of getting vaccinated to board if they can show a molecular test within 72 hours of travel, but only through November 30th. Quote, if you haven't gotten your shot yet, but want to travel this winter, let's be clear. There will only be a few extremely narrow exceptions like a valid medical condition, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said in a Wednesday news conference. For the vast, vast majority of people, the rules are very simple to travel. You've got to be vaccinated. Trudeau said the new travel measures will be, quote, some of the strongest in the world. The country also requires most foreign nationals to be fully vaccinated to enter for non-essential purposes. Quote, when it comes to keeping you and your family safe, when it comes to avoiding lockdowns for everyone, this is no time for half measures, he said. Currently, air travelers entering Canada are required to show proof of negative COVID-19 PCR test results taken within 72 hours of their scheduled departure. Unvaccinated air travelers must take another COVID-19 test upon arrival to Canada and toward the end of a mandated 14-day quarantine upon arrival. The additional measures are meant to encourage more people to get vaccinated. As of Wednesday, more than 72% of Canada's population was fully vaccinated according to data from John Hopkins University and Medicine. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and U.S. State Department each downgraded their travel advisories for Canada in August, but the U.S. border is set to remain closed to Canadian tourists through at least October 21st. Air Canada, Canada's largest domestic and international carrier, 
released a statement in support of the new measures in August, announcing that it would work with the government and its unions to implement the new policy. Quote, Although Air Canada awaits further details about today's announcement on mandatory vaccinations, it is a welcome step forward in the evolving measures to protect the health and safety of airline employees, customers, and all Canadians, the statement reads. The United States does not require vaccinations for domestic flights, and it's unclear if that will change. When asked if the U.S. would follow Canada's footsteps and implement harsh vaccine mandates for air travel, White House COVID-19 response coordinator Jeff Zintz said Wednesday that the government was not taking anything off the table. Who is affected by Canada's vaccine mandate? The new travel policy applies to passengers on domestic, transborder, or international flights departing from Canadian airports, passengers on VIR rail and Rocky Mountaineer trains, passengers on non-essential passenger vessels such as cruise ships on voyages at least 24 hours long. What happens if travelers don't comply? Travelers who falsify information or fail to comply will face heavy fines. Air travel passengers or employees can be fined up to $5,000 per violation and employees or travelers on cruise ships can be fined up to $250,000 per violation per day for failing to provide proof of vaccination. How can travelers show proof of vaccination? The Canadian government is developing a pan-Canadian proof of vaccination for international travel. The document will be available in a digital format and should make showing proof of vaccination easy and quick for travelers according to the Canadian government. Quote, vaccination is one of the most effective ways to fight COVID-19 and the government of Canada will continue to take action to get as many Canadians vaccinated as possible. The Canadian government's website reads, Trudeau said Wednesday that a vaccine passport will be ready in the weeks to come. Discrimination and restrictions on the unvaccinated will lead to persecution of them. It is a test run for discrimination and persecution of Sabbath keepers. Quote, we have no time to lose. The end is near. The passage from place to place to spread the truth will soon be hedged with dangers on the right hand and on the left. Everything will be placed to obstruct the way of the Lord's messengers so that they will not be able to do that which it is possible for them to do now. We must look our work fairly in the face and advance as fast as possible in aggressive warfare. From the light given me of God, I know that the powers of darkness are working with intense energy from beneath and with stealthy tread, Satan is advancing to take those who are now asleep as a wolf taking his prey. We have warnings now which we may give, a work now which we may do, but soon it will be more difficult than we can imagine. God help us to keep in the channel of light, to work with our eyes fastened on Jesus our leader, and patiently, perseveringly press on to gain the victory. Testimonies to the Church Volume 6, page 22. Next, banks fight back against IRS proposal that could give them access to millions of accounts. A proposal in President Biden's budget reconciliation package could give the IRS access to millions of bank accounts. 
Banks and financial institutions across America have been sending out letters warning customers about a new IRS reporting proposal in President Biden's budget reconciliation package. Currently, banks are required to report deposits or withdrawals of $10,000 or more. Officials say this proposal would lower that requirement to $600 because the IRS wants to find people illegally avoiding the system. Quote, they are trying to find tax cheats, but with the dollar threshold they have set and with the goal they have set, I mean everybody's data would go there. CEO of Wisconsin Bankers Association, Rose Oswald Poll said, According to a poll, many customers who make deposits or withdrawals of more than 600 said they are not happy with this IRS proposal. An independent Community Bankers of America poll reports 67% to oppose, 53% strongly oppose, and 22% are supportive of it. The budget reconciliation package will move through the House and then the Senate. It has already gone through a committee hearing without the proposal being included, but there is a strong effort to insert this proposal when it heads to the House floor for a vote. Could this move by IRS and the administration be unwittingly preparing for the enforcement of the no-buy, no-sell decree and the mark of the beast? Quote, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Revelation thirteen seventeen. Next, flesh-eating STD that causes beefy red sores is spreading in UK. A once rare flesh-eating sexually transmitted disease that causes beefy red ulcers is spreading across the UK, according to a report Friday. Cases of donobanosis, which causes thick sores that damage genital tissue, have been steadily growing in the region since 2016. And cases are expected to rise, according to data and experts cited by Birmingham Live. Quote, Figures suggest that donobanosis, which was previously thought to be restricted to places including India, Brazil, and New Guinea, is becoming more common on these shores. Dr. Dada of My Healthcare Clinic in London told the outlet, Health officials reported 30 cases of the STD in the UK in 2019, but more infections in the past two years could pose a public health risk, she warned. The STD is generally transmitted through unprotected sex, but in rare cases it can be spread through non-sexual skin-on-skin contact and to newborn babies through their moms. Symptoms include bulging red bumps, damaged skin, and loss of genital tissue color, according to Healthline.com. The STD is more common in parts of India, Papua New Guinea, Central Australia, and the Caribbean, and Southern Africa, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Long-term treatment, including with antibiotics, are needed to cure the disease. Quote, Christ is coming soon. He declared that when there would be wars and rumors of wars, when there would be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places, we might know that the time of his second appearing is near. When these things begin to come to pass, he declared, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Peter's Counsel to Parents, page 33. Next, 
California reports driest water year recorded in a century. In a year of both extreme heat and extreme drought, California has reported its driest water year in terms of precipitation in a century, and experts fear the coming 12 months could be even worse. The Western Regional Climate Center added average precipitation that had been reported at each of its stations and calculated that a total of 11.87 inches of rain and snow fell in California in the 2021 water year. That's half of what experts deem average during a water year in California, about 23.58 inches. The Climate Center tallies rainfall by averaging all the measured precipitation in the state at the end of a water year, which runs October 1st through September 30th. Based on the diminished levels of both precipitation and runoff, the last water year was the second driest on record, according to the California Department of Water Resources. Drought leads to famine. Famine leads to pestilence. These things will combine at the end of time and will cause great suffering. Quote, My attention was then called from the scene. There seemed to be a little time of peace. Once more the inhabitants of the earth were presented before me, and again everything was in the utmost confusion. Strife, war, and bloodshed with famine and pestilence raged everywhere. Other nations were engaged in this war and confusion. War caused famine, want and bloodshed caused pestilence, and then men's hearts failed them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Testimonies to the Church, Volume 1, page 268. Next, San Francisco puts nearly 200 unvaccinated first responders on leave while crime surges. According to San Francisco's police crime dashboard, a number of year-to-year crimes are on the rise in the city, including homicide, 12.8%, assault, 9.2%, human trafficking, 20%, and arson, 9.3%. San Francisco officials claim they can cut staff and still provide critical services. Quote, Across the country and the world, thousands of people continue to die from COVID-19. Mauli Tagbeño, spokesperson for the Department of Human Resources, said in a statement issued Thursday, Sadly, this includes employees of the city and county of San Francisco. To protect the health and safety of members of the public as well as employees, the city issued its vaccine policy, Tagbeño said. The San Francisco Chronicle reported on the development, quote, As of Thursday afternoon, 76 sworn police officers, or 3.5% of all officers, remained unvaccinated. An additional 32 non-sworn employees also have not received shots. Those numbers dropped from early Wednesday evening when Police Chief Bill Scott said 118 officers and 31 non-sworn employees remained unvaccinated, on trend with a decline in recent weeks. The police department has 2,832 employees, including 2,113 officers. Most, but not all, needed to get vaccinated by October 13th. The Sheriff's Department reported a 3.8% unvaccinated rate, with 39 out of 1,014 staff not fully vaccinated. In the Fire Department, 35 employees, or 2% of 1,738, have not gotten shots. 
Of the departments affected by Wednesday's mandate deadline, the adult probation department had the highest rate of unvaccinated staff at 5%, but that only accounted for eight people. The other departments had higher vaccination rates. San Francisco's Department of Human Resources said employees who have not gotten vaccinated will now receive notices that they can no longer report to work. A hearing for each employee will be held and employees can appeal if they are ruled against. If the appeal is denied, they will be terminated. Quote, employees can apply for medical or religious exemptions. The city has so far received approximately 800 exemption requests from city workers which it is reviewing as quickly as possible with priority given to employees who have earlier deadlines for vaccination, the Chronicle reported. As of Wednesday, 260 of those requests came from police, sheriff, and fire departments. Police Chief Scott said in an email that the department would rearrange staffing to fill patrol spots vacated by unvaccinated employees, but he also stressed earlier in the year that the department was already 18% below recommended staffing levels when asking supervisors for more funding. Tracy McRae, vice president of the San Francisco Police Officers Association and lieutenant in charge of the robbery unit, said on Thursday she was concerned about the shortage of police. Quote, it's a time when we really can't afford to lose anyone, McRae said. It's just really harsh. It's my way or the highway. Quote, look, oh look, listen to the voices and powers that prevail in the world. The heavenly watcher sees the earth filled with violence and crime. Is there any voice of prayer? Do you see any sign that God is recognized? Look you who are hesitating between obedience and disobedience. Look in imagination at the vast multitudes worshiping at Satan's altar. Listen to the music, to the language called higher education. But what has God written upon it? Mystery of iniquity. Christ triumphant, page 349. Unfortunately, our time is up. Remember, there are more prophetic intelligence briefings on our website at ktfnews.com. It's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you. I hope you have been encouraged to live for Jesus, for we are near the end. Remember that God has a plan for your life and that right now you can make a new start with Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and support. And until next time, may God bless and keep you and your family in His loving and protecting care. Keep the faith.